Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. Welcome, everyone. My name is Chris with National Parents Organization, and today I'm here with a couple of people. They're here to talk to us about the Cadet Act and uh, interested to learn all about that. So with that, I'm going to introduce us, uh, but we have Christian Posh. And we have Megan Biles and Melissa Hempfill. So, uh, Christian, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us all about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Uh, uh, so my day job is, is separate from this, but in my free time, I actually lead the Virginia affiliate or the Virginia chapter of National Parents Organization. And uh, as a result of the work that we've been doing in Virginia, uh, in which we're still very active, uh, advocating for children's best interest in spending as much time as possible with their parents after divorce or separation. Uh, as a result of that work, I was uh, connected with the Air Force Women's Initiatives Team, uh, as well as with the Service Women's Action Network. Um, and all three organizations, to include the, the NPO, are uh, advocating for the Cadet Act. Um, and the underlying theme that uh, really drove NPO to support the Cadet Act is that uh, proven fact, right? The scientifically proven fact that children do best when they have as much time as possible with their parents. Uh, and that applies to all situations. And in, in this case, we're talking, uh, talking about parents or, or children that become, I'm sorry, children of parents who are cadets, um, at our service academies. Uh, those children are no less deserving of time with their parents than any other child. And, uh, the, the current laws are such that it makes it very difficult for those parents to, uh, to be with their children. And, and we found a way here with the Cadet Act to facilitate that sort of relationship without negatively impacting uh, the cadets training at the academy. Um, and in fact, we're, we're augmenting that and we're uh, potentially improving the retention rates of our, of our service members down the road. So that's who I am. That's why we support the Cadet Act. Uh, and I'm happy to be working with, uh, with Megan and Melissa on this. Yeah. So uh, Megan, go ahead and, uh, want you to introduce yourself and then Melissa, you can introduce yourself. And then I want to talk a little bit about the women's initiative, uh, as a whole. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm Megan Biles. Uh, I'm a 2010 Air Force Academy graduate and still serving, um, all the views right now are reflected or just myself, not on the United States Air Force at this time, but I've been involved with the women's initiatives team the last couple of years. And I'm currently getting a master's in policy management at Georgetown, which stemmed a lot of my interest and involvement with the cadet act. And a lot of what we've been looking at is women's propensity to serve as well as airmen's in general, their propensity to serve and be able to do the best they can and looking at antiquated or any policies or barriers that exist that prevent them from being able to serve to the best of their abilities. So we've looked at caregivers, um, a lot of regulations, um, some of the hair changes that came out recently or from the WIP, but one of them is pregnancy discrimination, definitely. And that's an area that I've been really focused and passionate about. And what happened about February, uh, we found out there's a fellow graduate who commissioned and she became pregnant while she was at the Air Force Academy. And so one of the options that you have as a female who does is you can give birth, terminate parental rights. Um, and then so she gave up legal control to the civilian male. And then she's now 
seven years later, still trying to regain parental rights, $10,000 in debt, and was reaching out to a, a grad network of anybody who had navigated that before and how we could potentially work with her, any advice that which she could receive that would help her regain guardianship of her daughter. And so we reached out to her in the capacity of the Women's Initiatives team being like, how can we help you? And we began doing research. I began doing research for this for my Georgetown degree and a whole bunch of women and men came out and said uh, that they had been negatively affected by this. There were graduates from the Marine Academy, Merchant Marine Academy, who had had sexual assault that they experienced, Naval Academy, who became pregnant and had to, they lost their follow-on assignments, and there were from the Military Academy and West Point, who basically were told you can come back without this baby or don't come back at all. And so started really digging deep into why does this law exist? And if you look back to service academy started early 1800s, women weren't even allowed to serve till 1940s, 1948, I believe. And but that as of 1951, if you became pregnant, you were automatically discharged. And then in 1980s is when service academies had their first female graduates. And so if you peel back, well, why does this law in place and why do we need change? And now it's just an antiquated law that was when it was all male service, um, all men at the service academies, that was the rule for dependents. And now in 2021, we have women serving well, we have men and women, you know, do dual male joint spouse and so it's just an antiquated law that we are really looking at like why does it still exist and we see no reason for it yeah it's really amazing that you know in 2021 i mean we have laws like this that you know really are outdated and um you know just do not serve you know the the public or the military at all these days and it, it really just blows my mind that that we have these scenarios happening and that you know, it's terrible that our service members have to go through this sort of thing or even think about it, right? Because it certainly uh, puts female service members in a in a very hard position, uh, you know, if they find themselves, uh, you know, affected by it. So my name is Melissa Hemphill. Um, I'm a veteran also here under my personal capacity. Um, so effectively, the, this what this policy says is that cadets and midshipmen shall not have dependents. And so what that means is that you can't assess into an academy or stay in a cadet status if you have a child or some other legal dependent. Um, and the reason, you know, kind of like from back in the day of like, why does this even exist, was that it was trying to reconcile the difficulties of the intense environment of the military service academy and likely the inability to care for the day-to-day -day needs of that dependent. So kind of like at a strategic level, like if you just look at it without looking kind of beneath it, it, it makes sense. Um, and I can confirm that because I was a cadet mother. So I got pregnant my junior year with my now husband. Um, he was also a cadet at the time. And we wanted to both keep our child and both graduate and commission as officers. And in order to do that under this policy, we had to do this crazy legal roulette of severing parental rights and then going through a full adoption process to get our child back. And like Megan alluded to, uh, my, my husband and I have kind of a, a happy ending with our story that we were actually able to go through it, but there's so many folks who have not been able to that either you know, relinquished their rights and then never saw their child again, or in these long custody battles, or felt trapped into getting an abortion or multiple abortions because they didn't think that they had any other choice. Um, so for us, what it looked like is that after my junior year, I, I left the academy for one year to give birth. 
Um, upon the birth of our son, my husband severed his rights. So I was the full guardian. He finished his senior year, graduated, did a second parent adoption. I relinquished my rights to him. I returned to the academy. He and our son went to Florida for his first duty assignment. Um, it was one of the most depressing, devastating years of my life. It was very isolating um, from having had the responsibility of you know, taking care of a child to going back into the manufactured stress of a service academy. Um, but I finally graduated and commissioned and then adopted my son back, the son that I had just given birth to. So we, we tell, you know, we told our son actually this summer, this past summer that, you know, his party trick is that he's been adopted twice by his biological parents. And so he's got a good sense of humor. So he thinks it's funny, but, um, when you look at the human level of like, what's actually happening based on this policy, it's just devastating and traumatic. And it's one story after the other. And it's a, an issue that's affecting a lot more people than maybe some legislators might think. Um, and that's in part because the numbers that you can count are those pregnancies and the cadets that get disenrolled, which are predominantly women because you can't hide maternity the way that men in the past have hidden paternity. Um, and a lot are getting abortions and military hospitals cannot fund those or perform abortions. So you're now kind of in secret going and taking care of it yourself, kind of like Megan mentioned with the West Point cadet, you know, take care of it while you're on leave and then come back without that baby. So um, we will never ever be able to get a true number of the impact that this policy affects. But what we do know is that it's, it's far more widespread and insidious and shrouded in shame and secrecy than anyone thinks. Uh, yeah, I mean, just hearing hearing the stories. I mean, your story obviously has a happy ending, which uh, which is quite an incredible story in its own. But I, I can imagine there are so many more that don't. And um, you know, with custody, I mean, I I know from the people I talk to nationally that go through custody battles, it's it's not pleasant, even when it is, um, you know, when there's no fighting, right? And and obviously, there's usually a lot of fighting in those sorts of things. So, I mean, I just can't imagine what what these folks are going through, and then. Um, you know, just the additional stress of, of being a cadet and, and, you know, like you said, it's a manufactured stress, but the, let's face it, being in the academies is not easy. Um, and, and certainly every graduate that I've known is, is just operated on just an entirely higher level than most people do. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's incredible that this is happening and, uh, I, I really just kind of at a loss for, for even just to. Uh, you know, when I first read this, I it was like, this can't be right. You know, it just seemed, it would just seem so out of place that, uh, but it, but it is actually happening. Right. And, and people are affected by it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, <laughs> it is mind blowing. And Chris, I know it's something that you see all the time in your work with MPO. Uh, I know in conversations I have in Virginia, a lot of times people say, what, how is this a thing? Why is this even still in existence? This is crazy. We need to change it. Same thing applies here. Um, I know when I was at the academy, right? I I, I don't know a ton, but I knew personally uh, two women and one man that were affected by this, right? Um, and as Melissa said, obviously the women are affected uh, disproportionately more than than men. Um, but it it the the point with this is that it's unnecessary, right? It, it is. It is wholly unnecessary. We can fix it. Uh, we, we can make it better. Um, and, and this act actually does so uh, 
without imposing a financial cost to the system. It doesn't create any new wheels. It uses tools that these individuals would use when on active duty, right? Uh, as soon as they commission. So we're just making use of the tools that we have had available to us for, for years um, in, in a cost-effective right, way and in a way that allowed us to, to retain talent for, for longer term. Um, it's just, uh, and I think that's why you, you see the bipartisan support for this. And we always joke that it's not, it's a joke, but it's true, right? That anytime, especially in this day and age, you can get people like Senator Gillibrand and Senator Cruz both sponsoring this bill, mm-hmm. it's almost unheard of, right? Yeah. Those two individuals are about as far apart as you can be politically. And, and they've said, nope, this, this is the right thing to do. And this is something that makes sense and we need to do it. So I want to go back and, and touch on a point that you brought up, uh, Christian, is, and, and maybe Megan or Melissa can, but this is unique to somebody who's in one of the service academies, right? Because if you are already in the service, if you're already active duty, like you said, there are a bunch of different options and tools for you um, to help with family. I mean, we there was an article that came out earlier this spring uh, where I believe it was the Air Force is is going to be uh, working to station families closer together that are you know that are separated. Um, so I mean the Air you know at least uh, that article you know made it appear that the Air Force is is really looking at the family unit as being a critical element. Um, but this is I think a case that's specific to the academies. Is that correct? Yes, and so and that's why we think it's it's such an easy transition because we already have systems in place because if you look at other accession sources when you're enlisting you can have dependents and if you look at other commissioning sources such as rotc and ots is you can have dependents they've been able to work it with no issues and where we see this is initially when you did go to other commissioning sources there were considerations could for females especially could you have a dependent but right now in 2021 all other sources of entering into military service do align that you can have a dependent and work a family care plan, which is exactly what you have to do as an active duty member anyways, to what Christian was saying is, so by making the switch right now for service academies, it's catching up to what everybody else is already doing. And it's actually preparing them as cadets better for real life and what is actually in play. Yeah. So if you were to go through, you know, you're in college and you go through ROTC and you get a camp appointment and you go do your, your camp, uh, your camp slot. I mean, you, you can have dependents, right? There's, there's a provision for that. Yes. Right now there is. And on the, uh, and, and, um, you know, just for the listeners out there that may not be really aware, but all, all of these academies that you're talking about, do they, um, purely, um, are they purely for the, um, you know, their, their academy. So they're in pursuit of a college degree, right? So we're talking about, this is affecting predominantly the officers, uh, that are coming out of this. Cause I don't believe there's any enlisted that's, that's involved with, uh, this, is there? Right. That's correct. Um, the other thing I did want to clarify as well is that with the cadet act, um, some of the feedback I've heard just kind of anecdotally through not from official legislators, but this idea that cadets will, kind of enter into an academy with a child and abandon them for four years um, is something that I've heard. So the Cadet Act does not change the accession requirement, which means you still cannot join or enter into a military service academy with a dependent. This would basically cover for those unexpected pregnancies that occur and create a solution like a family care plan, um, like you know was said already, that that's already in place on the active duty side. So um, it's not 
It's not creating, you know, families aren't coming into service academies, daycares aren't happening at service academies. Um, it's really just a, a very, it makes a really hard situation just a little bit more humane. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it certainly makes sense that you wouldn't be able to, you know, fulfill your duties as a cadet in the in the academies and and take care of a child or two, right? I mean, the, let's face it, the you know the the rigors of going to any of the service academies are so great that you really need to focus on you. And so, um, yeah, there, you, I couldn't see how you could possibly you know have kids and go through the academy at the same time. So it's it's a good point to bring up that this doesn't really change uh, people coming into academy. It really just affects uh, the situations that, that happens during, while you're at the Academy and allowing you to finish out. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, the other thing is that, you know, while yes, it's true that you can't, um, fully take care of the day-to-day needs of your dependent, having to fully sever your parental rights in order to continue at a service Academy is totally unnecessary. Right. When we have a solution that can assign temporary guardianship with the power of attorney to a, a temporary caregiver until graduation day, and then you can resume parenthood without now facing potential legal battles and custody battles with, you know, the the the, the current guardian. And if I may, I think that the, the key word there is temporary, right? That um, this. <laughs> This ultimately decreases the stress on the children involved in this as well. Obviously, they're they're newborns and are infants, and they have no idea what's going on. Um, but the stress they feel is is very real, right? So, and we know that uh, that that uh, infants and very young children feel stress. So, um, this this would help them as well, and it, it it's it just streamlines the legal mechanisms that are currently really uh, negatively impacting those involved in these situations. Um, and the temporary aspect of them is key so that when these cadets graduate, they can uh, obviously become officers in, in the military uh, and also resume their parenting responsibilities to their to their family uh, without uh, unnecessary uh, legal hoops to jump through. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So wh- where is the act right now? I mean, you know, what's the path forward looking like to making this law? Um, is there some sort of time frame that you know about? Right now, it's already made it out of the House, and so we've had House support on it, and it's currently with the Senate. And so the biggest way to advocate right now would be to reach out to your senator um, and let them know that you would support this. And so we're hoping that it will make it out of the Senate within the next couple of weeks, and then we'll be able to have the law enacted. Well, that's fantastic. And so you really need people just calling your senators and, and to be clarified, these are your federal senators. So if you're looking up online, uh, look up who your federal senators are and then let them know. Um, are, are there any committee members or anything like that that people should be contacting? Probably the committees that have the most equity with this would be the SAS for the Armed Services Committee. And so the ones who are looking most intently with anything that has to do with DOD law. And so any, any support with any members, especially that are on the Armed Services Committee. But then again, it's it's bipartisan in nature, like Christian was saying, Senator Gillibrand and Senator Cruz already support this. So we're just hoping that we can get holistic wide support on something that is no cost and should have been changed years ago. So this is more righting a wrong than doing anything that, that's extreme. And we just like all the senators who we can to jump on board to make this need a change that helps everyone on both sides of the party coin, wherever you lay. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, people really just need to get out there, call their senators, and make sure that we get this thing passed because, you know, we we need to write this. Like you mentioned, it's a wrong. It, it should not be happening, and uh, and it really should be something we correct and, and do so really quickly, I would think. Um, what's next, though? Is there is there uh, further things that you want to look at beyond this, or is there an improvement to this that you'd like to see, um, you know, even either Megan or Melissa uh, on this? Um, I think this is a really wonderful first step. Um, I think that there can be a greater conversation about what does it look like to assess folks who do have dependents. Like there are some fantastic enlisted members who would be great candidates for a service academy um, that may have a dependent and a spouse that could, you know, potentially be, you know, in the primary caregiver position um, during that time or, or maybe not. All right. Well, so yeah, we've had a really good conversation here and uh, we're just going to wrap this up. I'm going to go through Christian, Megan and Melissa. Uh, so Christian, do you have any final thoughts on this topic? Uh, the, the only thing I want to emphasize is the the impact that individuals can have by calling their senator's offices. I don't, don't think that you're in some remote state or a state that has very little military involvement or presence that that you're, you're not going to be able to be uh, able to impact this, right? States like I mean, if you go to the middle of the country like Illinois or as far away as Hawaii, um, you absolutely uh, can impact this by calling your senators, uh, both your senators, uh, and asking them to support this act. And uh, Megan, what's your final thoughts? Thanks so much for hosting this. I guess last thought I would have on this is some folks might look back and say, are we making change just for change or reference back when it was hard? And I would just say that we're looking back on things and wanting to keep it because of the way it was just because it was hard, then I'd say that that's irrelevant for what we're trying to create for the future. So we are trying to be effective. We're looking at the population that we are recruiting from, and we're looking at what is relevant today in 21, today in 2021. So I would argue that this is a well-needed change. It represents who we are and the nation that we are and what we hope to be. And so I hope that we're able to get this through. Absolutely. And uh, Melissa, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I think just to kind of close the loop on this idea that it's, it's bipartisan, but really it's just a human policy. Right? If, you, if you care about parity for women, if you care about keeping families together, if you care about representing the population that we serve from and retaining talented service members, which far and away, a lot of our women are some of the top performers in the military. Um, and you want a zero cost solution and using existing practices and protocols already in place like this, this is just such a, a common sense solution. And I think that it can really, you can, you can find your cause in the cadet act, no matter which, which party you stand with. Well, uh, Christian, Melissa and, uh, and Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. And again, thank you for your service. Uh, and we look forward to seeing this pass in the Senate. So if, uh, if you like what you've heard and you want to make uh, a positive impact, make sure you call your Senator, uh, in the video description, we'll, we'll post a link to the actual text of the bill. Uh, so you can get into the nitty gritty and, and read all that. But, uh, again, thank you all for your service and, uh, we wish you the best with this. And, uh, I know I'll be calling my senators to, uh, to get them to pass this. Now that was recorded on video. So if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact National Parents Organization at sharedparenting.org. Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. 
Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters, so go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget, you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit sharedparenting.org and click the Take Action and then Donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the sharedparenting.org website and sending us a message. Fill out that contact form and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about what you think about the show or what you want to hear on the show, those sorts of things. So go ahead and, and send us a message. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for listening, and together we can help bring shared parenting nationwide. Stop.